And we're back. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Arthur Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Andy? Art? Hello! Hello! Andy, here we are. Once again, we're totally the pieces. Totally two pieces. Can't, can't deny it. Can't. Pretend. I thought you were the one. Kelly Clarkson? Mm. Jeez. Modern music is lost For the listeners, I just (laughs) waved my hand over the top of my head. (laughs) For the listeners, welcome. If this is your first time joining us, Andy and I are two best friends in the whole wide world, and we are trapped in a doomsday bunker. Um, We've been abducted by the titular Mr. Bunker, and he forces us here every week to podcast about various conspiracy theories and paranormal activity, all things bizarre. Isn't that right, Andy? Uh, yeah, I would say that pretty succinctly describes our situation here, Art. <laughs> That's a pretty nice little tagline, isn't it? That, uh, <laughs> if I was going to describe what's happening here, that's pretty much how I would do it. So for the past five weeks or so, we've been, every Sunday morning, we get, you know, we get abducted. After we finish the podcast, we mix it, edit it, and release it to the world. He lets us go. Releases us back to the wild. Yes. And part of it is our fault. You know, we don't, we don't take, we don't not take 100, we don't. We take the blame. We share some of the responsibility is what I'm trying to say. We accept that we've made mistakes. We accept that Mr. Bunker's liability for this situation is not. 100%. That's right. We're not the only ones at fault here. Definitely not. But we also don't help ourselves sometimes because we constantly forget to, you know, report it to the police or... Could we be more careful? You know, yeah. Maybe we don't more go out on a Sunday. of our surroundings. Yeah. Should we take precautions? Sure. Should we stop walking into things that we think are unmarked and open and just kind of willy-nilly but and milly vanilli look all these things are easy to say in hindsight but when you're in the moment you're just living your life yeah you try walking a minute in our shoes okay listeners try walking a minute in our shoes i'll loan them to you (laughs) first of all they're gonna smell not (laughs) terrible not pleasant (laughs) just a smell there's an aroma. There's a must. It's not bad. It's not good. It's <laughs> a shoe smell. <laughs> and you'll see. I mean, this guy is crafty, right, Andy? Like, Mr. Bunker's a pretty crafty He's guy. resourceful. I mean, he built this bunker. He built a whole doomsday bunker. And I got to tell you, the man probably had some kind of tenure on Broadway because these costumes. The costumes, the elaborate costumes he comes up with. The ways in which he gets us, he dupes us and foils us every single week, it's baffling. Is he is he some sort of secret agent? He could be a shapeshifter. Uh, he, yeah. We should maybe do that as an episode one day. Yeah, let's get to the bottom of Mr. Bunker. Um, the titular Mr. Bunker. Well, anyway, Andy, let's not, let's not beat around the bush. Let's not beat our bushes here. Uh, let's give the listeners a little info. How did Mr. Bunker get you to come down to his bunker this week. Well, Art, 
It's okay. You can let us know. We won't judge you. You'll know this. There's no judgment here. And the listeners listeners don't know this, but you know this because you know me. That's right. I like swimming. You're an aquatic guy. I enjoy the comforts of the indoor pool during the winter months. Yeah, you're a real lazy river. (laughs) Uh, Old man river. (laughs) I just keep rolling along. Yeah. So... I went to my local indoor pool. I just had a nice swim. And I went into the changing room. As you do. As you do. As one does. To put on some dry clothes. Because you can't walk around wet. No. No. I got entirely nude. And... (laughs) Did you you straddle one of the benches and... (laughs) You know, like old men do. No, 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 <laughs> you no, just, no. You just propped your leg up like Captain Morgan and let it all hair hair out, let it all air out. <laughs> no, no. I okay. I will put my leg on the bench because you're a hairy guy, right? Oh boy, am I ever? <laughs> yeah, I noticed I got some hair on my. Just... Andy never, listeners. Andy has never had a bikini wax. Okay, and whoever is spreading that rumor, we're gonna hunt Stop you down. Stop it. That's slander. I noticed uh, today that there's even hair growing on the backs of my shoulders and on my back, so. No, that's not uncommon. I'm going to be one of those guys. That's not weird. I have a few hairs on my back. Mm, Not all over my back, but on my shoulders, for sure. So anyway, I got entirely nude, and I reached reached back for my towel. Okay. So I could begin drying off, Mm. and as soon as I got it wrapped around me, I felt it tighten, like a python. And would you believe it, Art? That was the titular. Oh. He dressed up like a towel. He impersonated my towel. <laughs> Jeez. The lengths he'll go to. He'll, he'll wrap you up even when you're entirely nude. Yeah. And this, and this was convenient for him. <laughs> I was already wrapped up. Wait, wait. All he had to do was oh. then just smuggle me out of the pool. Oh, no. Plop me in his van, bring me to the bunker. Well, at least he brought you some clothes. Because I can see now that you're... I left an outfit here last week. Oh, you did? I figured just in case. Andy. You never know. There, you shouldn't be prepared about this. Because we are, we listeners, we are going to do something about this, I swear. Look, I was in Weebelos. <laughs> And if there's one thing I know how to do, it's be prepared for any circumstances. <laughs> Can't believe you left a change of clothes. No wonder it was sop like the floor was soaking wet when I showed yeah, I up. I was wet. That towel was not absorbent. <laughs> it was built for. It was a human. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listeners, if you're trying to dry off after you've been wet, don't use Mister Bunker. Yeah. He, he when he brought me here and dropped me off, I almost did a comical like slide all the way down the the long hallway. That's the bunker. Yeah. Because it was so wet on the floor. It was some risky business. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I was in my boxers and my wayfarers and my long shirt. All right, so neither of us arrived at the bunker fully clothed. (laughs) He took off my pants in transit. I don't know why. He takes weird precautions. (laughs) Well, Andy, as you know, I arrived here as well. I see that. that. Yeah. Uh, I was on the public bus. Much like you were in a public pool, I was in a public bus. Ooh, and much like a public pool, there were very wet nude people on the bus as, you know, that's public transit. Depends on the route, but yeah. 
So uh, I was on the bus minding my own business when, you know, listening to some music, just kind of looking out the window, daydreaming. What were you daydreaming about? Oh, you know, um, escaping the bunker. You weren't even in the bunker. I know, but like, you were on the bus. Finally, getting back at him. I was. I was starting to think about it. Revenge like, fantasy. Yeah, a little revenge fantasy. You know how when you daydreaming, you like win arguments that you can't normally win in real life. Oh man, you? in my daydreams, I am <laughs> so freaking sharp in <laughs> conversations, and I say what I want to say. Yeah, and I get stuff done. And you look like Jason Statham. <laughs> no, I, no, you don't. No, no. Oh. I, you gotta up your daydreaming, dude. Yeah, no, I, it's. I mean, I have, I have, un, I have reasonable, unreasonable expectations <laughs> for myself. So all of a sudden, mm-hmm. my entire little daydream turned into a nightmare because the bus careened into a brick wall, Andy. Oh my god! Yeah, that was painted to look like the end of the street. Wait, so. It was like one of these sidewalk chalk drawings yes. that looks 3D. Yes, that's exactly what it was. But it, it was on the wall. So, or I guess it was on the ground. I don't know what it was. So he roadrunnered you. He roadrunnered me. He wily coyoted me. He wily, the bus was wily coyote. Yeah, and the bus was totaled. Oh. I mean, it was a complete tragedy. Oh my God. People were injured. There was a fire. There was smoke pillowing out of it. All of a sudden, the bus driver gets up. And you know what I noticed? I should have noticed this earlier. Uh, he's wearing a nun mask. A nun mask? Yeah, he's wearing a nun mask. Was he wearing a habit? No. Just a nun, just a nun mask. The habit might have been underneath his under, bus hat. Under the bus? Oh, oh I see. Okay. <laughs> so it didn't really look like it. So. He's wearing a nun mask. You know nun masks. Like if you've ever seen uh, the movie The Town, I think, with the... Uh, the one with Ben Affleck? Yeah, Ben Affleck and uh, John Hamm and uh, someone else is in that movie. It's about like Boston bank robbers. They wear, they dress up like nuns. Mm-hmm. So he's wearing a nun mask. You know, I thought to myself, I should have noticed that when I was paying my fare, but sometimes you just don't really pay attention. Do you not look at the bus driver? I should. I always say hello to the bus driver. Oh, you're way too nice. Unless they look surly and you can tell they don't want it. Yeah, you can tell they've been running that route a little too long. If they if they look straight ahead and won't look at you, then I'll 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 forego it. But yeah. if they look at me, I'll at least say thank you. I mean, oh, you know, I'll say thank you or something. But you know, you tap your card and you just kind of you want to get going so that the next person behind you can inevitably fucking you know push because you know how buses are. It's hard. It's hard to stand in that queue. Yeah, and, and listeners don't know if listeners have never taken a public bus. Public buses have like one long walkway, and then the seats are on the right and the left. You know, and then inevitably there's some asshole who doesn't want to keep pushing all the way to the back. I think most to... buses have that general design. Well, London would Where? like to disagree with you. Oh, whereas this... their buses are up and top in the bus. Are they up and down? Yeah, but the aisle is still in the middle, right? Okay. <laughs> well, listen, I'm not here to debate bus structure with you, Andy, and you're wrong, listeners. I don't even listeners. If you can find us a bus where the aisle's not in the middle, please send us pictures, tweet at us at Mr. Bunker Pod. <laughs> That's right. Help me prove that I'm right. Prove art right with the hashtag Prove Art Right. <laughs> 
Post us your bus pictures. <laughs> bus with the aisles not in the center of the seats. <laughs> anyway, the bus driver gets up. He's wearing this nun mask. And I think, ah, oh, geez. But I was too dazed from the Did crash. you know you were bunkered? I, I had a feeling I was about to get bunkered. Um, that or I was about to take confessional. Which I don't know if you can take confession from a nun. Either way, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> um, the bus driver starts shooing all the people off the bus, except for me. He gets back, and he starts driving me. The doors are locked. I can't get out. The windows lock, and they shudder, so I couldn't even see where I was going, and I just accepted my fate. I was bunkered. Hmm. So a nun can't absolve you of your sins? I don't know. It's, uh... I am confirmed Catholic, but it's been a while. Been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since I have folks, confessed if, my sins to, to a priest. <laughs> uh, folks, if you know if a nun can absolve your sins, tweet at us at Mr. Bunker Pod. Uh, use the hashtag nunfacts. <laughs> nunchucks. Nunchucks. <laughs> nunfacts or nunchucks. Whatever you feel like. Or if you like doing. So Andy, um, after Bunker dropped me off, before he left, he said, um, he shouted down to us from the entrance of the bunker. Um, he said it's he said it's airport appreciation week. And I didn't know what that meant. No, I that's but, but now I do. I I've I don't think this is a sanctioned week. Uh, he, I don't think I think it's one that he He's made up. Yeah. I don't think that this is... It's... he's Apparently, he's got some weird holidays. Yeah. I I, I don't understand his he belief structure. He said it's structure. Airport Appreciation Week. I don't understand his his belief structure, but yeah. it It's Airport Appreciation Week, apparently. So, happy Airport Appreciation Week, Art. And because it's Airport Appreciation Week, we are, we are going to cover uh, a conspiracy theory that involves an airport. Yeah. Really, we're going to cover uh, a web of conspiracy theories. Ooh, a web. Like a spider. Buckle up, because this spider's got venom. <laughs> and that venom, Andy, is the Denver International Airport. We hope that venom is a truth serum. <laughs> and we hope it's not like the movie Venom, so that it's not scary and bad. Yee. <laughs> I didn't see it. I don't know. I didn't see it either. I don't know. <laughs> I heard it was bad. Uh, we are. We are. Too, uh, we we can get into that. <laughs> Maybe worry, later. More venom spoilers <laughs> coming up. Andy, I knew nothing about the Denver International Airport. In fact, I don't think I've never been to Denver. Seems like a lovely city. I've never been either. Actually, I've been to the Grand Canyon, and I think I've set foot in Colorado. I for sure have been to Colorado before. Okay. What were you doing? Were you mining for gold? <laughs> I was panning for gold. <laughs> I didn't strike it rich. <laughs> uh, no, I was on a, I was on like a two week vacation, and uh, this happened when I was a teenager, and it was in the mostly in the eastern part of Colorado, in the plains part. But we traveled around some, and so hmm. we ended up in Colorado Springs, oh. and down uh, near the. Arizona border, oh. Red River Gorge. That's nice. Yeah. A lot of beautiful s scenery in, in Colorado. Oh, yeah. 
It's a beautiful place. You know what I saw in Colorado? Wait, no, this was at the Grand Canyon. I saw the Little People family. The what's their name? Rubloff? Yeah. Is that right? Maybe. Mm. <laughs> Hang on, I'm gonna look it up. Okay. But anyway, well, I saw that, them from that Little People Big World show. That's right. TLC? Roloffs. Oh, that was close. And uh they were hanging out with another little person um like tour guide. Wait, was this at the Grand Canyon? Yeah. And they were like looking at condors. So there's some condors flying around and they were looking at them and they were filming. <laughs> yeah, what? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a good segment. Yeah. So if you see that episode of Little People Big World where they're looking at condors in the Grand Canyon. Check out art in the background. I might be in the background. They're gawking at the cameras. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was a teenager at the time, so I would have been... Probably just as angsty as you were when you were traveling around <laughs> eastern Colorado wearing my yeah. Nirvana shirt. <laughs> so anyway, uh, what we're we talking about? Oh, Denver International the Denver Airport. Denver International Airport. I know nothing about this. I, yeah, uh, this was a surprise to me because I had never heard of this before. I didn't realize that there was even any sort of conspiracy associated with the Denver International Airport, or really any airport, yeah, specifically air- for that matter. Yeah, I mean, I can see why people would maybe bring up an airport as a conspiracy theory hub, because airports kind of suck. Sorry, I know it's Airport Appreciation Week. I appreciate, <laughs> That doesn't sound very appreciative. I, I do appreciate airports that they get us around, and all the people who work there. Yeah, technically, nobody it's, likes technically it's the planes that get mm. us around. The airports are... Mm, so we're not appreciating the planes. We're just appreciating the airports. Yeah. Airports are like, it's like, it's like saying garage appreciation week. Like <laughs> you're not appreciating the car. You're appreciating the garage. Okay. Okay. Well, Andy, this, we are about to uncover all the web of, 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 of lies and the web of uh, oddities, the web of occult stuff. rampant speculation rampant speculation that is the Denver International Airport so um, we should get into it huh please make sure your trays are in the upright and locked position and fasten your safety belts because we're ready for takeoff this is Denver International Airport the public airport the sky high chariot of the people making air travel accessible to king and commoner alike <laughs> art air travel changed the face of transportation and the humble airport is the gateway to the skies millions of people worldwide flow through airports every day let me ask you is it possible that these highly trafficked locales are hiding terrible secrets? Well, the Denver International Airport, or DIA as we'll call it in the rest of the script, um, that opened in 1995, and it is now the fifth busiest airport in the USA. 
The DIA is the second largest airport in the world by land area. So uh, it, it also has the world's seventh longest public use runway. So it's the big bad boy of flying. And uh, brother, you better believe that people think there's a lot of weird shit that goes on here, Andy. Okay, so DIA got some initial federal funding in 1989 to start construction. That's what kicked it off. It was supposed to open in 1993. Now, as you said, Art, it didn't actually open until 1995 and clocked in about $2 billion over budget. Wow. Now, in 1994, airport officials, like, listen to this story. (laughs) They invited reporters to come to the airport and check out a test of this state-of-the-art automated baggage system that was installed. Uh, The test went great because the machine shredded luggage and personal belongings and the like actuators that carried the bags from place to place rather than moving them were just tossing them off <laughs> into the air uh the the baggage system itself just to note gets credited for about 100 million dollars of that 2 billion dollar budget overrun they used it for a while it was a constant mechanical problem and DIA finally gave up on it completely in 2005. They don't use it anymore. <laughs> that is a large amount over budget, Andy. <laughs> um, the the over budget actually was so large, in fact, that people began to question just where exactly all that extra quiche went. Fair enough. Uh, some say the extra money went toward building parts of the airport you can't see today. Mm-hmm. So we're talking underground stuff. Um, now some say that some of the initial buildings constructed at the DA were screwed up, you know, maybe on purpose and then buried underground with the current airport sitting on top of them. Um, now what these buildings house, if they exist, has been the subject of wild speculation. Oh, you've got that right, Art. The suggested uses for the buildings, the buildings underground I'm talking about now, include a headquarters for the Illuminati a home of the shadow government run by lizard people or reptoids, secret military offices, or possibly a home for the actual legitimate government of the United States in the event of a nuclear war or some other catastrophe. While none of this has ever been proven, we do know at least some of what lies beneath DIA. I speak, of course, of tunnels. 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 There are a lot of tunnels under DIA. Now, some of these have legitimate purposes like ferrying luggage between terminals. Remember, the automated system used to use these tunnels, but now it's just people driving them on carts like they do at most airports. (laughs) Or tunnels that give access to electrical or plumbing. That's what supposedly the very lowest level is, is the electrical and plumbing and, and things like that. Right. Other tunnels, though, other parts of the underground structure of DIA are not open to the public. So, you know, airport officials say that due to safety or security concerns, not every part of airport grounds can be open to the public, which, you know, that makes sense. So that secrecy, warranted or not, also leads some to believe that, well, something's probably being hidden. Um, Some say that those tunnels lead to underground bunkers. 
Hey. Bunkers. <laughs> Where the global ding, elite. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Bunkers. <laughs> Where the global elite can wait out any worldwide catastrophe. Yeah. And just to piggyback on that, Art, I want to tell you and the listeners about the testimony of one Dr. Leonard Horowitz. Now, Dr. Horowitz is a former dentist who describes himself as, quote, a natural medicine expert, pharmaceutical industry skeptic, and intelligence industry analyst, end quote. Now, Dr. Horowitz claims to have had access on two separate occasions to now prohibited tunnels underneath DIA. The first such instance was on day three of the opening ceremonies for DIA. Dr. Horowitz says that he and other passengers who flew into DIA that day had to walk in a tunnel under the airport between concourses. Now, Dr. Horowitz claims that in the tunnel, the tunnel is decorated with a gold leaf tile mosaic. I mean, he's, he's described it as, as like beautiful gold leaf mosaic tile work. And, and it's displaying the words proudly, New World Order in the tunnel. Dr. Horowitz also claims that on a separate occasion when he was at DIA, an employee at DIA gave him a restricted tour of the tunnels after noticing his emerging viruses t-shirt. So you're talking about a new world order, right, Andy? Um, See, that's interesting considering that there is a capstone covering a time capsule that was sealed during the opening festivities at DIA, and it lists an organization called the New World Airport Commission on it. The funny thing about the New World Airport Commission is that it doesn't exist. Though it supposedly did exist when the airport opened. At least that's what airport officials say. Um, They say that the name is supposed to be read New, comma, World Airport Commission. Which is actually how the Denver Post printed the name when they quoted the chairman of the group of when they quoted the chairman of the group at DAA's opening ceremonies. So, Art, the chairman Mm. of the new comma World Airport Commission was apparently a conductor, music specifically, not electricity. And in an interview more than a decade after DIA opened, he claimed to not remember specifically why the group settled on the name they did. He suspected, though, that the reference was twofold. To Dvorak's New World Symphony, again, he's a conductor, and because DIA was the newest airport in the world at the time. Uh, I mean, the name is a bit suspect, but the reasoning, if we can believe it, is fairly mundane. Well, Andy, you might want to stretch before you jump to any conclusions on this one. (laughs) You should also note that the capstone you mentioned not only lists the New World Airport Commission, it also lists two local chapters of, wait for it, the Freemasons. Oh, of course. The capstone even had the square and compass symbol of Freemasonry Freemasonry prominently displayed on it. Now, the official line is uh, on this is that the Freemasons were involved only in the creation of the capstone for the time capsule, and they created it for the opening ceremony. Um, the claim is that the claim is that it's not uncommon for Freemasons to be involved in you know large civic openings such as an airport. I'd like to point out here too, Art, 
that the masonry references on the capstone may not be the only references in the airport to Freemasonry. Okay. Okay, so another feature of the airport, which has generated lots of speculation, is the artwork. Hey. The art, yeah, the artwork, as <laughs> you, you enjoy. There's a lot to talk about here, but let's focus in on the masonry aspect of it. To get to that place, we need to really address one of the murals painted by artist Leo Tenguma. Tenguma was commissioned to create two murals for the airport. And what he created were murals composed of two panels each. So it's four total panels for two murals. Uh, Now, to prove that I'm cultured, I'm going to tell you that when you have a two-paneled piece of art, uh, that's called a diptych. Wow. (laughs) Truly, you are a man of culture and uh, I respect you. Thank you. (laughs) So both of Tenguma's um, murals have garnered attention. And uh, don't worry, we will we will talk about both of them, listeners, but the one to address now is the mural titled In Peace and Harmony with Nature. So according to the artist, the mural depicts the return to mankind's harmony with nature following a period of pollution and destruction of the natural world. In the first panel, the scene is grim. There's forest fires, uh, people lie dead in coffins, animals only exist in museums, and there are, there are many tears being shed. The second panel um, depicts animals roaming freely. So there's these beautiful landscapes, people of all races and creeds gathered around, a glowing, blooming, beautiful flower. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty stark, stark set of scenes, Art. There's, there's a specific character, though, in that second panel, the one where, where the natural world is blossoming again and people are, are celebrating their harmony with nature. Right. And, and that panel specifically, that character has drawn the attention of Dr. Leonard Horowitz. You remember him from earlier, of course. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Now, Dr. Horowitz notes there is a figure in the panel dressed in Scottish garb. To Dr. Horowitz, this identifies the character as a Scottish Rite Freemason. Okay. The figure appears amongst other people who are holding hands and dancing. A lot of people are celebrating at this rebirth of life on the planet. Peace and harmony. Right, exactly. And Dr. Horowitz describes that Scotsman as leading the dance. So he sees in the first panel more than just pollution of nature as well. He sees Jewish and Christian symbols being hugged by one of the people in the coffins. The girl in that coffin also has a locket with a photo of her family, which Dr. Horowitz believes depicts the death of family traditions. The girl is also holding a rose, which Dr. Horowitz points out is a symbol of the Rosicrucians. AKA the Illuminati. What Dr. Horowitz sees holistically on this mural is a first panel that depicts the death of religion and family only to be replaced in the second panel by a globalist new world order proudly led by a Scottish Rite Freemason. Okay. Well, let's turn our attention now to the other mural, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This one is titled Children of the World Dream of Peace. Um, Leo Tenguma, the artist, says that the piece depicts a time of war and suffering, but that children continue to dream of a world where peace can be achieved, a dream that eventually comes true. 
The first panel shows a scary-looking military figure, and, I mean, let's be honest, it kind of looks like a Nazi. He's wearing a gas mask, holding a gun in one hand, and he's using a sword to stab a dove of peace with the other hand. Um, A line of suffering people stretches as far as the eye can see. Um, Buildings are destroyed. In the center of the panel, some children are sleeping. A beam of light comes from their dreams and eventually becomes the beginning of a rainbow. So it's worth um, mentioning that while that that well, it's worth mentioning as well that there is a letter painted in the lower corner, which is a letter written by a child who died at Auschwitz. Yeah, the uh, the first panel is pretty horrific. <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. In the in the second panel, though, we see the flourishing of the rainbow. The rainbow is bright. It's beautiful. It's not just a a start. It's it's fully blossomed and it's beautiful. Uh, and, and we see the children's dreams becoming reality. Children from all over the world gather together to destroy weapons, which were bundled, which are bundled in the flags of various nations. The, the sword used by the Nazi to skewer the dove of peace is being beaten into a plowshare, which is a pretty on the nose biblical reference for listeners, for you old Testament fans out there. Uh, now, underneath, underneath where all these children are doing this, where they're beating the sword into a plowshare, uh, there's the Nazi lies dead, crumbling, because in this panel, he's been depicted now as a statue, a broken statue fallen off of its base. The base reads war, violence, and hate. Okay. So, probably it's needless to say at this point, uh, you know, a lot of people have opinions on what these murals mean and what they represent. But let's bring it back to our buddy, Dr. Horowitz Mm -hmm. and his interpretation. So Dr. Horowitz sees in the first panel, a gas masked Nazi alien who uses what he sees as a Muslim saber to stab a Christian symbol, the dub of peace. He also sees the saber cutting through the air as creating the rainbow, which he interprets as a chemtrail. Uh, Dr. Horwitz also sees the destroyed buildings as being reminiscent of the Twin Towers on 9-11. In the second panel, Dr. Horwitz sees the sword being beaten into a plowshare as representing an anvil. Um, One of the children uses a hammer on the sword. So Dr. Horwitz sees the hammer and anvil here as a symbol of communism and fascism. He also notes that only children are left here to celebrate the globalist New World Order. Right. And and while Dr. Horowitz sees maybe some unexpected things in the artwork, he's certainly not the only person to feel that the m- murals themselves depict signs of the New World Order. You know, that said, those murals aren't the only artwork at DIA to earn speculation of some kind of connection to the New World Order. In in the DIA atrium, there's an inlay on the floor. So this is like, like a piece of art that's, that's laid into the, the tile on the floor. And what it shows is a mining cart with the letters AU on one side of the cart, on the, on the left-hand side of the cart. And on the right-hand side of the cart, AG, it shows. Now, a reasonable person might suggest that AU is the periodic table symbol for gold and AG for silver, which makes sense given that it's on a mining cart. 
Makes sense given Colorado's history of precious metals extraction. Makes sense given that Denver is the home to a U.S. government mint. Some, though, see something a lot more sinister. So that's right, Andy. Uh, Some believe that the AU and AG are meant to represent a reference to Australia antigen, which is a strain of hepatitis B. And that was discovered by Barry Blumberg, who is believed to have been a financial backer of the airport. Blumberg went on to use the strain of hepatitis B to develop a vaccine for the disease. Um, Dr. Horwitz wrote a book in which he claims that the hepatitis B vaccine was used to trigger the HIV and AIDS epidemic. And I know what you're thinking, listeners, Andy. That's got to be where all the weird artwork ends, right? Guess again, Art. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so greeting visitors to DIA when you drive up to the airport is a 32-foot-tall giant blue horse titled Blue Mustang. And that thing is reared up on its hind legs and looking mean as hell. Blue Mustang also has red glowing neon eyes. The locals refer to the sculpture as Blucifer, which I think is a pretty great name. Yeah, it's clever. Lucifer was commissioned to be built in the mid-90s to coincide with the opening of the airport, but like everything at DIA, it took way longer than expected. The artist, Luis Jimenez, was still trying to finish the sculpture in 2006 when part of it fell on him, severing an artery in his leg, thereby killing him. (laughs) The sculpture was finally completed in 2008, by Jimenez, by, by Jimenez's estate, by the, the artist's estate. Lucifer's frightening appearance, which, I mean, look it up, listeners. It is kind of scary looking. Uh, it's led some people to believe that it's representative of one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Specifically, death usually is the one associated with Lucifer, which just helps further this connection to DIA and the end of times in people's minds. You know, Andy, there's uh, <laughs> there does seem to be a lot of like, let's call them irregularities okay. about the DIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't even mentioned the runways, which were designed ostensibly to allow for more efficient takeoffs and landings in Denver's you know wild wild weather. Denver has a lot of snow and uh, and wind and, and and things like that. It's the wild west. They kind of look like a swastika from above. Um, given all these weird features, you know, what are we to believe? Is it possible that DIA is just the confluence of a bunch of strange individual events? Is there some deeper connection here? Well, we're definitely going to discuss it, Art, and we got a lot to unpack here. I will tell you this, though. Skeptics about DIA often wonder why, if the global elite really intend for the airport to be a base of operations from which they'll usher in a new world order, why then would they adorn the airport with such glaringly obvious signs because this artwork is not subtle no so i'll leave you with this as a possible answer to that question dr horowitz i know we keep bringing him up dr horowitz claims to have learned from retired u.s army lieutenant colonel jack kingston the following and i quote the best covert operation is one that is done in broad daylight in front of everyone's eyes Yet no one sees a thing.
Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, listeners, this is Art and Andy. Hey, listeners. Um, just wanted to let you guys know that we want to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. So if you feel so inclined, feel free to email us at mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Send us your, your feedback. Send us comments. Send us questions. Send us stories about... Send us conspiracy theories that you want us to um, talk about on the show. Right, Andy? Yeah, right. Um, if you don't like email, hit us up on Twitter at Mr. Bunker Pod. That's right. Tweet at us. Tweet us your live reactions to the podcast as you That's, listen to it. Yeah. Tweet us your personal feelings about anything. Really? Uh, or anything that's covered in the podcast. Uh, that's true. Tweet at us uh, photos of your last vacation. Tweet at us <laughs> whatever you feel like. We'd love to interact with you. We love interaction. And speaking of which, if you're in, you've been enjoying the show, uh, we truly appreciate it. And Thank Mr. you for listening. Bunker truly appreciates it. If you feel so inclined, and I know a lot of podcasts say this, but it truly does help us out, leave us a review. Give us a rating. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Even if you hate it. Even if you hate it. I mean, preferably you'll like it, but <laughs> I mean, fair is fair. If fair you hate is, it, you hate it. And right. I'm not going to judge your reaction to that. <laughs> but especially, I mean, if you forget to rate it and you hate it, that's okay. You don't have to rate it if you hate it. But if you love it, rate it. Rate we would, it. That would be great. <laughs> it would be great. It truly helps us out. And you know what? Let's not take up any more of your time. Let's get back in all that hard-hitting action on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Thanks, listeners. Bye-bye. Hey, we are back. That was our research of the Denver International Airport. And Andy, we, we took off and we landed. We did it. <laughs> One successful flight. Just like the first flight from DIA all those years ago, we went from Denver to Kansas City. No problems. So they, okay, so they're, the airport reopened in 1995. And before that, mm -hmm. they had a just a normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill airport, right? They had another airport called Stapleton okay. that was smaller in area. Of course, DIA is one of the largest airports in the world by Let's area compare size. it to O'Hare. How... This, How does it compare to O'Hare? I don't have that information okay. readily available. What about Dallas-Fort Worth? I don't also have that information I had to lay over in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I had to take a monorail. Yeah, DIA is like one of those places. Ooh, that's big. Like, there's trams. It's fucking huge. We mentioned the tunnels. There's trams in the tunnels. It's, it's, a, ver it's a very large airport, and, okay. there's, and it has a lot of ground. I mean, you got to think Denver's <clears throat> kind of right smack dab in the middle of America. 
Yeah, this uh, kind I, of. I mean, if you want to talk about it from a transportation standpoint, DIA really serves the whole interior western part of the yeah. United States. So there's there's large international airports that are on the coast, but DIA is sort of the central hub for a lot of the interior. It's it's the busiest airport in the interior western part of the United States. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you got to assume, yeah, everybody flying from all over the West Coast is probably, there's layovers there and there's anybody trying to get over to the East and the Midwest. Yeah, it's a big a big hub for United and Frontier, if I'm not mistaken, Frontier Airlines. Huh. So it's it's a busy place. It's a, it's a great big place. It uh, is further away from the city, from like the downtown of Denver, that is than Stapleton was. Oh. Which it's kind of nice. Well, some people think it's nice, some people don't like it because it means if you live in Denver proper, it's longer cab rides, so it's higher fares. And Denver has that huge population boom. Yeah. So it obviously it's a busy airport, so people have gotten used to it, but and they're all high. They're all it's so much marijuana. <laughs> But I think people people obviously have cozied up to it or people at least move through there a lot. So it's it's busy, it's big, but like you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Exactly like me. In a lot of ways I You're am, an airport. In a lot of ways I am an airport. <laughs> so I want to say this too. Okay. When it originally opened, a lot of there obviously it was way over budget. Yeah. It was way behind schedule. People couldn't really decide whether this was just government waste, whether there were just problems with, there were a lot of problems in the construction. United had a lot of demands that they made Mm -hmm. on the airport. And so they had to keep redoing things. Uh, The airports has sort of a whimsical design. It's shaped to look, to mimic the Rockies. So there are these peaked roofs that are covered in fabric. It's kind of neat. Yeah. The the actual the architect that designed the the roof design said that it probably saved a lot of money from using steel or concrete or whatever else they would have used in the construction of the roof in a traditional roof. Listeners, I just looked up a photo of it. It's very cool. Yeah, it has a neat look. It looks like a mountain range. They even colored it to look like a mountain range. Yeah, it has a it has a it's like white tipped peaks. Yeah. So but because of the expense, because of the delays, a lot of people felt like it wasn't a good value considering that Stapleton was fine. It was a decent airport. There didn't seem to be a lot of reason to close it. Well, riddle me this, Andy. Okay. Lay it on me, Art. Maybe they foresaw the population boom well, in Denver and they thought, eh, we're going to need a bigger airport. What really the official word is on why they wanted to build a new airport and ditch Stapleton is because of the runways. Hmm. So the runways at Stapleton were shorter. They were there were not as many. At the time, there it was suspected that expansion of Stapleton would not have been feasible. Okay. Some people disagree with that, but I personally don't know enough about mid-90s Denver real estate <laughs> to Give a wizened opinion on You're that. You're not so smart. I'm not. I am a freaking fraud. <laughs> but 
they went ahead and built it and the runways now, the problem with Stapleton, a lot of people said, before I say that, the problem with Stapleton was that it caused Denver's like a hub. It's a connecting point for a lot of people. And the problem with Stapleton was that because of the runway design, it led to fewer landings when weather got bad, which happens a lot in Denver. Ah. And so it created a lot of bottlenecks for not just travel in and out of Denver, but travel for the entire country. Mm. So Stapleton was really a bit of a problematic bottleneck from a transportation standpoint. Okay. Interestingly enough, this is just a side fact. It has really no bearing on anything. The mayor of Denver, who originally got the plans going for DIA when it opened, he was no longer the mayor of Denver. He was the secretary of transportation. Oh. For the United States government. Oh. In uh, President Clinton's cabinet. Interesting. Uh, Just an aside. I mean, do with that information what you will. (laughs) But that was, that's the real reason they talk about Stapleton as needing to be replaced is that, is that it, it didn't, it created a bottleneck for travel, air travel within the U.S. DIA doesn't have those same problems. Some people criticize it because it ended up with the same number of gates ultimately that Stapleton had. (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah. That it's like, it's one of those weird things that. Ultimately, the, it's the same gates. Who the, the fuck same number planned gates. this? But the thing is, they use the gates more efficiently now. Okay. So the travel happens supposedly on, on a better pace you know, than it did at Stapleton. I feel like every conspiracy we've looked at, I find somebody to identify with. Who do you identify with in the DIA? Whoever designed it. Oh, the because, designer? Yeah, because it's exactly like how I would fucking plan something out where I'm like... <laughs> Let's do this big, giant, awesome thing. And yeah, it'll have a, it'll look like the Rockies. It'll be easy. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And then like, I forget to add gates. Like, <laughs> like that's me with everything. Like, like if I'm playing like a fucking game or like if I was playing Minecraft and I was, you know, designing something in Minecraft back when I played Minecraft <laughs> in early college in alpha when it came out, uh, you know, I, I'd be building something. I sit there designing it out and they'd be like, oh yeah, I actually wanted to do this. And add all this fucking redstone here and you know just like with like with this podcast <laughs> well, we'll figure it out yeah i mean but that was a little this bit was more. sort of thrust on you yeah. the other one was a choice but we've we've done a uh we've done a web series together with with some of our with our comedy partners yes our partners in crime and that was a huge undertaking yeah and we were just sort of like ah we'll figure it out along the way yeah <laughs> there was a lot of stuff where it was like damn I didn't realize how much fucking work this was. We tried to get people to talk us out of it, but nobody would do it. <laughs> I imagine DIA was a lot the same way. People were like, tell me if I'm wrong here. And everyone was like, mm, it's fine. Yeah. We can make it work. I like to imagine that two Denver versions of us were put in charge of it. Ugh, probably. What does the Denver version of you look like? Uh, uh, it's probably that guy that goes to the Broncos games <laughs> that wears a barrel. <laughs> With suspenders, <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> I imagine he's got the same personality as me. I think the Denver... <laughs> he's just really loud. Yeah. He's yeah, he's loud. I like to imagine he wears that barrel a lot. He, yeah, like that's... that's 
That's everyday wear for him. He's got a selection of barrels. Listeners don't know this, but I know this because I know you. Uh, you wear polos. That's my go-to. I'm you pretty much one wear right a now. polo every single day. That's what I wear. You're wearing one right now. That's what I brought to the bunker. That's my yeah. spare. For as long as I've known you, you pretty much wear polos and sweaters. For as long as a lot of people have a known t-shirt. me. I, okay, through grade school, I was mostly a t-shirt boy. Uh, in grade school, mostly t-shirts. And they called you that because you had a t-shirt cannon. <laughs> I carried it around with me everywhere. It was different times, folks. <laughs> you could get away with that. Not today. <laughs> I wore t-shirts. I also wore baseball caps. Okay. Every day. You're a little sporto. Uh, let's not get carried away. <laughs> I liked baseball caps. Uh, not baseball. It was mostly Just golf the caps. or oh. whatever. Um, I had a Pinehurst hat I wore for a long time that I think was paisley colored, which hmm, we can debate that later. That's a different episode. <laughs> but then I made the switch to uh, polos. Okay. In maybe middle school. And I've been that way ever since. You just like them. I just like them. You know what I like? It's not too casual. Right. It's not too formal. Some people would argue that. There's debate. Go go on. If you read any kind of, you know, menswear blogs or aficionados, um, for example, put this on, they would describe a polo as sport and casual wear only. Yeah. It is not a piece of formal wear. Oh, not formal. Or not even really business casual. Mm, that's where I got to- It's a casual wear. I got to disagree because I think- And sport wear. I think that your clothing is multiple parts, right? Sure. I'm not saying I believe that. You're not only wearing a shirt. I look bad in polos. Why? I don't know. Huh. I like a button down. And it's not my style. I got a big old belly. <laughs> it makes a gap. Mind the gap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about some of these Wait, gaps. Wait, what were we talking about? <laughs> I think we were talking about Denver. Oh, that's right. And its airport. That's right. What was Denver me like? Hey, listeners, tell us uh, what your Denver version of you is like. <laughs> Tweet at us at Mr. Bunker Pod using the hashtag my Denver me. <laughs> hashtag my Denver me. Um, oh, well, I think my Denver version is me, but I'm just really into how clean the air is. And I like hiking. Yeah. Like I'm constantly. That's, that yeah, checks I'm like, out. I'm like, yeah, you know, like other cities. Actually, my Denver me is also really proud of the fact that the first Chipotle opened up in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. That's. <laughs> You're correct. <laughs> yeah. My Denver me you like nailed it. hoards that fact over other people. Um, my Denver me is real into the whole history of Denver. <laughs> so anyway, that's my Denver me. You're Denver you. Um, so this airport, Andy. Should we dive a little bit deeper into it? Should we talk a little bit more about this artwork and this Horwitz fella? I mean, we got to make a decision here. This we got to decide. Are we convinced? This fella. Um, can I just say real... F- Real, real quick, say for, it. former dentist. He's a DDS. Just, I don't know, kind of tickles me. He has a lot of degrees from, if you read his biography, um, and we'll, we'll post the links to the research yeah. in the episode on the website. So you can go to the website the and check notes. out his bio. Yeah. Um, so he has, he has a lot of degrees, uh, like a master's of public health, I think, from, from Harvard. Perhaps. Oh, okay. So he's he, so he's not fucking around. I mean, he's he's a doctor. Like he was a doctor. Okay. I mean, I I get from your tone that you're not 
respectful of his. I don't respect any doctors. But he's not legitimately not a medical doctor. Yeah. Listen but, to Doctor Strange, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. He uh he he's he's got an interesting background and a lot of interesting yeah. views. Uh yeah. he's he's a, a big proponent of the uh, 528 frequency. Oh. For audio. What's that? As being good for your health and Oh. and things. Should we start recording at that? I I don't know. I don't know enough about audio. Yeah, Dr. Horowitz, get at me. There's help me edit this podcast. If you're listening, Dr. Horowitz, <laughs> tweet at us. Um I don't know enough about about uh audio resonance frequencies to tell you a good answer on this. But it's been one of those things that's been speculated that the way that most audio is recorded, it's damaging to people's minds. Oh, like this podcast. Right. Yeah. Definitely this podcast. Yeah, definitely this podcast <laughs> is damaging to people's minds, but you know, it's one of those it's one of those things that the frequency of the way things are recorded, it makes you feel bad, it makes you dependent that, on the government. This strikes me as like those or, stupid fucking bands that you would see on like late night infomercials, like those quartz bands. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like on a public access cable show? No. Hmm. Just those bands that people wear. Oh, you oh, mean like band. not a musical band. You're talking like a wristband. <laughs> yeah, wristband. This is why I was confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we jumped from music to wristwear. Yeah. So wrist, suddenly I couldn't bands. catch up. And it's like, it's supposed to balance you and make you right. feel better. And it's like, is it? Yeah, I I agree. It It's very much, to me, it comes off that way. I don't know enough about it to give yeah, you any kind know. of a wise and answer on it i was just i just thought former dentist is funny i just yeah i, I envision a, a dude working on some teeth and he's just like oh f- <laughs> he's chatting about fucking blucifer and the yeah the guy's working <laughs> is like ah aha aha aha, aha, aha. <laughs> yeah yeah i it would be a fun that would be a weird conversation to have when somebody when you can't respond <laughs> yes um but i think you know he's i guess i didn't realize he was a harvard you know but just because he went to Harvard doesn't make him a fucking god, but yeah, it means he had to work pretty hard. You gotta, you, you gotta work. Well, I guess you don't even have to do that. Yeah, you can buy your way into Harvard. Yeah, some people say that Harvard is just a sign of your privilege. Ooh, more than it's a sign of your accomplishments. And they're not just mad about the sports teams. No, no, they they give the crimson a pass. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's an interesting guy, right? Like he's, yeah, he's an interesting guy. He he does still, he does, he, he, he kind of seems like one of these guys though, who is finding his, the answer he wants to see in lots of different things. That's, I, that's to me, I'll agree with that statement. So let's, let's unpack it a little bit. He gets to go into these secret underground tunnels. He's been there. What, what did we say? Twice? Twice. Okay, and let's just say, first of all, very funny that someone sees his t-shirt and goes, hey, cool t-shirt. You want to come see these tunnels? So I'll say <laughs> I'll say a little bit about uh, the emerging vaccines t-shirt. So Dr. Horowitz is a self-described whistleblower on vaccinations used as tools of genocide. Oh, okay. So he's a person who believes that the medical communities developing or that the government's developing and pushing out under the guise of legitimate science, these vaccinations to people or 
which are actually making people sick and and leading to the genocide or I, I mean I don't know enough about I, I didn't dig into it researching for this but uh, I mean I have nothing against his views on like the pharmaceutical industry I don't think yeah. that's I mean I think everyone should you should try and be your healthiest self so that you don't have to rely on on medication and drugs that are unnatural right like, sure you know you, you know I mean obviously there's certain things where you can't not you have to have those drugs but like for everyday average Joe Schmoes like ourselves, yeah, we should try and be our healthiest selves. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, then it's it's fair to say that modern medicine probably over prescribes. Sure, anytime you go to a fucking doctor, they're just gonna they give you stuff every time. They don't want, and in some sense, I'll say I get it. Yeah, they don't want to have to have you come back in a year and say, okay, so all these lifestyle changes. You didn't make any of them. Right. So now your health is much worse. Yeah. And we could have helped it a little bit by giving you this medication a year ago. But I'll, I'll say this. A lot of medical practices now have lifestyle doctors who specialize in lifestyle medicine. Right. That help you. They have nutritionists or dietitians. It's like homeopathy. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't really understand that term in a scientific sense hang on we have the power the treatment of disease by minute doses of natural substances that in a healthy person would produce symptoms of disease oh so that's like a a vaccination i don't know whatever dude like naturalistic doctors holistic right, medicine right yeah i think but i mean don't get don't go too crazy with that shit either dr horowitz is like a natural yeah. medicine type of Type of uh, yeah. advocate. I mean, I think that you got to find what works for you, right? Like, yeah. I'm a sufferer of psoriasis. I have psoriasis. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in it. It sucks. It fucking sucks. And if there's any listeners out there who also struggle with it, you know. Tweet at us. Tweet. <laughs> Email us your stories. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to, but if you really want to, you can. I guess we'll read them. <laughs> this is now a psoriasis podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Bunker. <laughs> <laughs> we're um, taking over but for a while i tried to find natural because i tried like every drug under the sun or acne i was a sufferer of of cystic acne for a long time too as i'm sure many teenagers who are listening right now are um and the only thing that ever really helped was i went on accutane mm -hmm. which is a very intense somewhat dangerous drug and you know it's they make you you can't get someone you can't be pregnant when you're on it because it will deform the baby yeah you have to sign um, like a waiver. You have to take a every, you have to come in every single month when you're on it and they have to ask you if you're suicidal, if you're all this stuff because it's, it's so powerful. Yeah. Um, but it, but it works, you know? So well, I guess what, I don't know what I'm trying to say here other than, you know, you do you. Right. Listener. You find what's right for you. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. It, you can try every natural thing under the sun, but sometimes it, a drug just works, but you know, don't always, Find a good doctor too. Find a doctor you trust. Look them up. Look up their research. Make sure they're not just some scrub who's just going to fucking, you know, prescribe you Viagra. Unless that's what you need. <laughs> that's what you need, baby. Oh, you need that little blue pill. Anyway, Denver Airport. <laughs> Let's give our verdict on natural medicine. So hey, he's, he's this natural medicine kind of guy. Right, he's kind of right. funny. It's funny that he was wearing 
what is essentially like an anti-vax t-shirt and someone was like cool t-shirt bro uh want to come see these tunnels yeah i i don't know <laughs> that's it is very funny to me dude that- is that uh is that spongebob smoking a big old spliff and it says the big boss on it hell yeah dude i fucking love that t-shirt come hey you want to hey you want to get into a bunker with me <laughs> yeah skunk bunker oh <laughs> uh, is that a sexy garfield Hell yeah, dude. You got Garfield hentai on your t-shirt? Yeah. All right. Let me take you up to the air traffic control tower. I'm down to clown. I could fucking get down with that freaky cat. I hate Mondays. I love lasagna. Layer it up. It's like it's Garfield getting pegged by Odie, and the text is just, I hate Mondays. (laughs) That's every Monday for him. But he doesn't like it? Odie's in a uh, a gimp suit, like a bonded suit. <laughs> well, he doesn't. Garfield doesn't like. No, that. Garfield doesn't like this. Oh, I hate Mondays. Ugh, this is took a dark turn. Sorry. Much like the Denver International Airport. <laughs> Much like. So he. So what I'm trying to get at is that he got to go see these. <laughs> yeah, what are you trying to get at? These cool international tunnel or these these underground tunnels in this mm-hmm. underground bunker. Where are the photos? Where like give us some fucking evidence. This is the thing. Like. With a lot of these conspiracy theories that I constantly see is like, you, you, you see this kind of, I saw Bigfoot, I saw this. And it's like, well, like, where is the evidence? I'll say in his defense, I don't know when the the third, when the second trip happened, but in 1995, okay. cameras were much less okay. an ever present thing. I guess if it was that early. In society, because that was reported by his testimony. Again, I have no verification of this. Day three after the airport opened when he went through that tunnel and he says hundreds of other passengers also went through the same tunnel. So theoretically there are a lot of other people who could support this claim that the tunnel is adorned in gold leaf tile mosaic that says new world order. I'll mention this too. Some of the tunnels are lead to office space. Okay. There are underground parts under DIA which are used for office space. You know, you don't have office buildings sitting all around. Yeah, I know the Mike the Judge movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, you get it. So there's office space underneath the airport. So some of these tunnels go to, or basically the space gets rented from DIA by the airlines, for example. So United may have maybe renting that tunnel. And maybe put a mosaic up that said New World Order as a joke, possibly. So it may be legit, but it may not be. Well, good one. Yeah, they got us. If it's a joke, it may not be a joke. It may be real. (laughs) We'll get to our verdicts in a little bit. But so there are other parts of the underground that actually have a function and the airport itself doesn't control those parts. They're leased from the airport okay. by the airlines or whoever's leasing the office space. So makes sense. They, they were over budget and they need money, right? They could like, make it, they could make a design touch to something that the airport wouldn't know about, wouldn't have anything to do with them. Right. Okay. So this particular tunnel, I don't know what the status is, but if that mosaic tile mosaic is, is there, like Dr. Horowitz says. That's a little sus. Yeah, it's suspicious. I'd like to know the reasoning. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of things that have happened at DIA that 
are mainly hoaxes. For instance, an employee drew a picture of an alien in one of the tunnels. That's a funny prank. And that's still there. So some of the people play into the conspiracy theories about the place. People have been spotted on camera, security footage down in the tunnels wearing like lizard masks. Ooh, that's spooky. To be like the reptoid thing. Yeah. I mean, they know they're going to be on camera. And so it's, it's some of these pranks. Um, yeah, like actually, Kutcher. yeah, it's, it's some a real punked, punked situation. Got punked Denver. Got him. Denver this, security guard. Yeah. If this turns out to be just an episode of a really long episode of punked. God is good. the man, dude. God is good. A plus K. I'll say, I'll mention this too, Art. Recently, the airport embarked on a big construction project. This was recent. Yeah, this is recent. And so they had to obviously shroud some parts of the airport yeah. from travelers because they're doing construction work. Sure. So they developed this ad campaign. Well, they had a firm develop this ad campaign, which leaned into the conspiracy theory theories. Why? <laughs> so. Why? <laughs> so it's it's like. Oh, no. You know, they had to remove some of the artwork, which people thought. Why did the artwork go? But they had to like put it in storage so that they could do the construction. The work. murals? I can't recall if it was the murals or, or not. Lucifer. But, but some of the, there's also a, a, an artist did some gargoyles for the interior of the airport. Hell yeah. And that's drawn a lot of speculation. But I mean, gargoyles are like of a satanic nature, but gargoyles are supposed to be like protectors. Yeah, they're spirits. protectors. Yeah, exactly. That's why they're on churches. And so they're, yeah. The, the artist thought it was funny that and With, they were like the good guys in the Disney animated series. Gargoyles. Right. Gargoyles good. are good. Gargoyles are cool. And the I'm artist, a gargoyle the, fan. The, <laughs> gargoyle. Well, I'm, I'm pro gargoyle. Gar gargoyles love Mondays. I'm Gaga for gargoyle. <laughs> gargoyles. Gargoyle Garfield. I would say I had a Garfield gargoyle. Garfield. Garfoyle. <laughs> a gargoyle. Gargield. <laughs> Love Mondays, hate lasagna. Ugh. They're the good ones. Yeah. Garfield's bad. Yeah. Gargoyles are good. <laughs> so it's these little gargoyles popping out of suitcases. That's cute. Which, I mean, given the baggage thing. That's cute. Like, it's fun. I like it. That's cheeky. A lot of people thought it was sinister. So when those things, when they, they moved. sticks up their butts. You know, when they moved them for the construction, the gargoyles disappeared. It's like, where did they go? Did they move on their own? Yeah. You know, it's stuff like that. Hanging out with Quasimodo, it's fine. But, um, you know, there's the, the artwork, when they when they moved it, that drew some speculation. They put up the, you know, they hid parts of the airport so they could do the construction. And they put up these signs that are like, people say we're part of the New World Order and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And, you know, it's like they were like images of, like a reptoid and mm. stuff and, and they leaned into it and then it's like, but the thing it listed what the theory was and then it debunked it basically. How so? Well, <clears throat> like for example, uh, let me get a real, yeah, and he's looking up something on his Let phone me get a, quick. let me get a live one. This, and this, uh, links to this stuff is all. It's always be, available in the show notes. We try and, notes. uh, we always try and make it convenient and easy for you, the listeners uh, we try always, you know, Andy, this is, we always try and give the listeners the whole enchilada. That's what we're after. The we're whole enchilada here. We're not here to give you the rice and beans. We're not here to give you the chips and guac or the drink or whatever. We just want to give you the whole enchilada. 
Um, and we do our best and we really try, but we also give you the links to all the research that we read so that you, the listener, can, you know, you can go and, and, and do your own sleuthing and do your own looking stuff up and um, find out more stuff for yourself because there's a lot of stuff that, you know, we, you can't include. We'd be here all day. And we're, we're trapped down here in the bunker. We're trying to do, we're trying to give you the whole enchilada, but we're also trying to get out of here. Yeah. I mean, come on. We're just two guys trying to get out of a bunker. Yeah. We want you to have the whole enchilada on the way. We're trying to be fun for everyone. So conspiracy number one, this was from the, this was from the, the campaign. The airport was built by the new world order. Naturally, people think this, uh, hold on, let me start again. Naturally. People think this because... Somebody needs to get a copywriter on this. Oh, boy. <laughs> this was poorly written. Uh, can we get the, the, the ad office on here? we got to make some changes. Naturally, people think this because a dedication marker and plaques around the airport claim it was funded by the New World Airport Commission. Never heard of them? Don't feel left out. It seems no one has. After some digging, it was discovered that no such group exists. Not now. Not when the airport was built. Not ever. So rather than writing it off as nothing, people have jumped to the conclusion that it is actually a group within the New World Order. Sketchy, sketchy. Hmm. So let's address that a little bit. First of all, it's kind of a falsehood because yeah. the group did exist. It's a little weird. It was a group of local businesses or or a group of local citizens that organized to help celebrate the grand <laughs> opening. So saying that it didn't exist is really not true yeah uh on again this will be in the links in the show notes dr horowitz sort of breaks down this ad campaign uh point by point um part of his training is to i'm not going to say it correctly but he basically is he considers himself to be an expert in analyzing the ways in which media corrupts the facts that you absorb. So he All sees right. he sees this as a way to distract the public. They lean into it. Right. So See, that, we're just having fun. So that you you downplay the seriousness of it. Yeah. And they push it onto the more obscure things, which obfuscates the more deeper what he sees conspiracy, which is a lot more real world than say reptoids it's a lot more earthbound yeah. in that he sees it as being like the airport is being very corrupt and our government's being complacent in it and working with private businesses to basically subvert the public okay i mean i can fuck with that opinion yeah i it's mean not that crazy right it's not so far out the package I mean, is a little weird right some but, of some you know. of his uh some of his uh I think takes on the artwork yeah come as a little bit like okay buddy far out for me yeah the chemtrail thing yeah I mean uh, artists are weird and they interpret stuff weirdly and they're creative and you know we we're quote unquote creative types we've interacted with a lot of weirdos I just uh, specifically the the children of the world dream of peace yeah the rainbow you can see it coming from the from the children that are sleeping. Yeah. Which a lot of people have said they're dead. Like a rainbow. Thank you, Mick Jagger, everybody. <laughs> you can see it, but you know, 
he interprets it as it's a chemtrail. I mean, that's the thing with art, right? Yeah. Oof. Artwork, artwork. Uh, I mean, okay. <laughs> uh, you can interpret it any way you want. You can analyze me. So we can have different opinions on, on right. what a piece of art is supposed to represent. The artwork is so on the nose though. Like it's, I mean, Tenguma, peace and humanity and unity and, and harmony. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Trees. Oh, oh we got to, you know, that's Denver too. Denver's all about like the mountain air and yeah. being green and smoking up a big old blunt. Tenguma's going in on a hike and eating some Chipotle, man. Yeah. And Tenguma, I know. Tenguma's gone on record about the murals. Yeah. He felt that the subject oh matter that he created was too serious to do in any other way, that it had to be very stark. And he's trained in this. Mexican mural tradition, which yeah. has you bright, seen, bright like, colors um, and it's, it's bold. There's a piece in the, uh, Detroit museum of fine art. Um, Oh man, I wish I'd remember his name. He's really good. And it's a really awesome piece, but yeah, it, it it's kind of like that. Or it, it, it depicts real world struggle. Yeah. And it shows it in, in a raw and, 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 um, is it Diego Rivera? I mean, if you, if you listen, yes, to Diego Rivera, the Detroit industry murals at the Detroit Institute of art. Um, really awesome pieces. If you can ever go see them, um, very similar kind of thing. It de- depicts, you know, um, the, the industry of Detroit and the Ford motor company and, and the loss and, um, that's just how it is, man. Like, yeah, the, the murals are stark. And I think, I think a lot of what happens when people look at the murals, the way that they're set up in the airport, you're not like a lot of, of art installations. You're not forced to look at them in the order that they're intended to be viewed. Right. So that's very important. Tenguma too. created a diptych. Both of the murals are are two parts. Oh, we get it. You're smart. Right. And I know a lot about art. And yeah, we've been in this bunker for a while. And (laughs) he created these two panels for each one. And you're meant to read his, his vision is you look at the, the bad panel first. Right. This is how things, this is how bad it can be. The other panel is, this is how good it can be. Right. Some people look at them backwards. They see all these children celebrating by bringing an end to war. And then they see a gas masked Nazi stabbing the dove of peace. Right. And it makes them think that we're children, we're children. Then, that, then, yeah. that the military industrial complex conquered the children. And that's right. why, how they get to the new world order. Right. So, and some people have speculated that even though Tengumas said repeatedly that. Well, he's that's, compromised. That's not the order. Yeah. They're like, mm, but. Maybe, you know, he, he was commissioned to do the artwork. So, you know, he, all he did was, all he did was do the art. These might not be his ideas. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like what's it? I mean, is it, he's probably has other works and I bet they're very similar. Yeah. He has some other, he has other work and this is part of his style. I mean, it was one of the reasons that they selected him when they were, cause airports, Denver, Suck. Denver, <laughs> just kidding. It's airport. It's airport pushing away. Please be nice. <laughs> Denver has 
some sort of uh, legal requirement, I think, a city ordinance or something that requires a public space to have a certain percentage of its available whatever allocated to art. That's nice. And so part of that's why there's so much artwork at the Denver airport yeah. because it's a local requirement. Right. So they had to, when they built the airport, they had to engage, they had to, they formed like a commission to help find local artists to do art pieces for the airport. So they selected Leo Tanguma. They selected Luis Jimenez, uh, that did the, the Blucifer, um, so, and then, and the artist, I can't remember his name, who did the gargoyles. They all, that all came out of this commission to find artwork for it. And it just so happens that they managed to find this great collection of art that just when you put it all together, it couldn't be a worse combination, honestly. <laughs> I mean, Lucifer's a little scary. Like, who who signed off on having a giant bull? With glowing red eyes, uh, a Mustang. I'm sorry, uh, it's a, a horse. Keep saying, I keep, I read the name Blucifer, and I, I don't know why I, I go think to of like Paul Bunyan. Yeah, I think of like Paul Bunyan and his yeah. big blue ox. Yeah, I mean, he's got some other big stuff too. You know, what his I'm saying? big blue ass. <laughs> Damn, he was fucking thick. Ew. No one wants to talk about how thick Paul Bunyan was. He could chop wood. <laughs> Man, you could sit on that ass. Literally, you could make that lots of people could. You could put a, you could eat coffee out there. You could drink coffee out that ass. (laughs) You could eat coffee out of his ass. His ass was so strong, he could grind coffee beans. (laughs) (laughs) That is lovely. Uh, Lucifer is a little creepy. Like, is that real? Like, but people make stupid, like, people think, again, people have different tastes. A whole legion of people might look at that and say, "Huh, wow, that's really scary," and I don't. That does not welcome me to the airport. But the owner of the airport or whoever the fucking board is are like, "Oh, we really believe in this Mustang yeah. and the history it has with the Wild West in Denver." And it's like, "Okay, I gotta say, it's sort of reminiscent of the Denver Broncos." Yeah, that that artwork is similar. It's a little intense. It's very intense. It's the the Denver Bronco is a lot more generic than blue mustang is okay i just looked up a picture of it it's very intense it's it's really intense <laughs> it's and it's, it's scary and i'll be on record so, it's scary so the eyes are neon the, the eyes literally glow and they're red and glowing they literally look like the super dog yeah <laughs> mascot for, eyes for you uh local chicagoans the maury and flory hot dogs <laughs> caveman hot dogs on top of the super dog drive-in on Northwest Highway. Yeah. Um, okay, this is like terrifying. And also, I'm pretty sure very accurate genitals on this horse. <laughs> I, I guess I don't know. That's a good point. This thing is terrifying. So it is pretty intense. It's like emaciated too. And, and the eyes. I'll, it's got like veins and stuff, man. I'll tell you the story on the eyes, Art. So Jimenez, his father was had a neon shop. Okay. So Jimenez wanted the eyes to be neon to in in honor of his father. And you know, airport officials now say, I guess we could have just chosen a different color of neon other than red. I'm showing for listeners, I'm showing Andy a picture of the horse's butt, which yes. is also done to scale. Wow, it's 
Jeez, they couldn't, they it's couldn't, really, it's really graphic. Yeah. They couldn't have given it like an anime dog butt. Yeah. Or they, just a little X. Yeah. Or just smoothed it out. Like they could have put the tail over the butthole. Okay. At first I was like, this is like, I was, when we were doing the research, you know, I was like, whatever. Looking up photos of this, this thing is fucking scary <laughs> and weird. Yeah. But I get it. You know, if it, yeah. Okay. Maybe he should have, sometimes artists don't, don't, Sometimes artists are way too far into the creative and they don't realize the operation side of art. Right. You know, and, and maybe he should have thought, you know, is this the best time to represent my dad? Well, but as an artist, he's probably thinking, this is my magnum opus. Yeah. I'm doing a huge sculpture. And it ended up being a, because he died. In an extremely public place. Like, yes. This is... Uh, this I want to honor my dad. Yeah. And, and the eyes, you know, it became a thing. It certainly made a statement. It seems like this is a lot of his kind of work um, is like this. He's, he seems like kind of a nutty dude. He kind of almost, um, he looks like H.R. Giger kind of a little bit. He just kind of looks like a wild dude. But this is a very scary statue. <laughs> yeah. I'm scared of it. It's I'm never going to Denver. And it's 32 feet tall. Jeez. It's, it's, it's That's a much tall, taller than me. It's a tall statue. I know what listeners are thinking that I'm almost 32 <laughs> 32 feet tall. Art's, art's barely 28 feet tall. <laughs> this statue is head and shoulders above him. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, okay. That might have changed maybe a little bit more of my uh, my rating. But the I, I honestly think that Lucifer is probably the scariest piece of art. Yes. Although I'll say that Tenguma's murals are are pretty grim in the first panels. And... He's got a lot of really, what do I want to say, impactful imagery in them. Oh, yeah. And I mean, do you really want to be in an airport thinking about Nazis stabbing doves? Like, do you ever want to think about violence while at an airport? Right. No. Oppressing human. But, but this was pre-9-11. Yeah. This was pre-9-11. So 9-11 fucking changed a lot of stuff. And it made people like, I think people were always scared of flying, but 9-11 really... People people up were scared notch, of the plane crashing. Yes. They weren't scared of the plane being used as a weapon. Right. Or any kind of terrorist. Or attacks. like shooting at the airport yes. or something. So, okay. A little weird. Um, let, we need to touch on the Freemasons, right? Sure. We can't dig, no pun intended, uh, we can't dig too deep into the Freemasons because that's, that's like a whole two-part episode. In That's another itself. thing. But a little weird that they were a part of it. They're very secret that they built the capstone for the time capsule. Now, now what is in the time capsule? So there's a, there's a number of things from the mid nineties okay. that are in the time, <clears throat> the time capsule mayor Webb, who was the mayor at the time when the airport opened, he there's something he campaigned wearing these sneakers. And so like sneakers somehow became like a part of his persona. So a pair of his sneakers are in the time capsule. They recently opened Coors Field. So there's a baseball from the opening day of Coors Field in the time capsule. Okay. There's a Beavis and Butthead viewing guide. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting artifacts from the time. So. Oh, 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 oh,
Spot on, right? Pretty good, yeah. <laughs> okay. And Cornelio. Come on. <laughs> you do one. I need. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's his. I need TP for, I need TP for my <laughs> bungle. Hey, Bebos. Oh. Where is <laughs> you sound, you, I mean, <laughs> I get it, okay, listeners, but you sound more like Hank Hill in that. Bobby! <laughs> <laughs> it's the same guy voicing I it. I know, that's, I get it, listeners. And our pain. Okay, so. The Freemasons. So the Masons, there's two lodges that are listed on the capstone. Two Masonic lodges. Yeah. Um, I didn't verify this, but. Dr. Horowitz says that they're segregated lodges. Uh, what? So it's one lodge is an African-American lodge and one lodge is a whites only lodge. Wait, what do you mean by lo- lodges? Lodge would be this is like a simple- the local chapter basically. Okay. So there's two, there's two different Mason chapters that are represented on the capstone and Dr. Horowitz claims they're segregated lodges. So it's two, two separate groups that came together to make this capstone. Okay. And because they made the capstone, they put the Mason symbol prominently in the middle of the capstone. Freemasons literally made it. Yeah. I, that's, that's what everything says is that they made it now, whether they actually, cause I mean, if I've never known any actual Mason who was actually a stonemason. Right. Freemasons aren't actually stonemasons. I mean, they used to be, but yeah, maybe seven or 800 years ago. Yeah. I don't know how many of them are today. I don't have numbers on that, but the, uh, yeah, supposedly they made it now, whether they, whether they, they made it themselves with their hands Had or, someone commissioned or they, they commissioned it. it, they paid for it, which I'm guessing is probably what happened. So it's their, it's their capstone. Basically they made the capstone. And they put it on to seal the the time capsule, which will be opened in 2094. Good year. So stick around, listeners. Yeah, those those shoes are going to be real ripe. Yeah, they were not cleaned. They were they were used. <laughs> um, I guess that's kind of weird. That's the weirdest part to me. That's what sticks out the most. And I don't know how common it is for A U A G. Come on, man. I, I mean, I mean, Masonic lodges do get involved in civic works. Largely, that's sort of what they do at a real local level. Yeah. Is they do things within their communities. So mm. I don't think that, to me at least, it doesn't seem strange that Masonic lodges would be involved in the opening of an airport. Right. Now, I don't know how they were engaged or how they got involved. Obviously, these this opening ceremony for DIA seems like a big thing that wasn't necessarily overseen by the local Denver government. So there could have been private groups that were requesting things and they just said, okay, we'll do it. Right. I don't know. Right. I mean, in that sense, it's a little bit obscure. Hmm. It's that's the one that sticks out to me the most, I think, because the whole AUAG thing, like it's like, I don't know. That's it's a stretch. That's a stretch. It's a stretch for me. It's like it's obviously about the mining history of Denver. I'll I'll right? say this. I'll say this, Art. The the 
the connection Dr. Horowitz makes to, to the Tanguma mural with the supposed Scottish Rite Freemason. Yeah. Listeners, when you go look at it, make your own decision about it. To me, it looks like Scottish Highlander wear or something. It looks like traditional Scottish, maybe military dress or something. But to me, I don't see it as being a, a Freemason type uniform. Maybe the hat a little bit, but even that, I think, I think that's a stretch to me. So for me, the masonry connection is really just the capstone. I don't see it also in the mural. Yeah. And I mean, so if, if the Freemasons are involved in the airport, then they're also involved in probably other stuff too. They're probably also involved in a lot of other structures that are built yeah. in Denver. So then the, the, the square and compass could be on a lot of buildings in Denver. For yeah. All we know. So then it's, it's really about them. Yeah. You know. And, and, and there's no evidence that they were involved in the planning or that they have any right. access to the underground tunnels. I mean, it's just, most of it's just speculation. People see the masonry symbol and they, they assume that something's up. Okay. I think we about covered all of these pieces, Andy. Um, what about the runways? They do kind of look like a swastika. I'm going to look up a photo here. Uh, listeners, real quick. Um, a little bit. You kind of have to do a stretch. Yeah. But it kind of looks like But also, like, like, I don't know anything about airport design yet. <laughs> he's, he's going back to school. Going though. back to school, baby. Um, so maybe that's just what was optimal. And then they were like, afterwards... It's missing the bottom of the swastika. It's got the left corner. It's all there. You kind of have to use oh, your imagination. Oh, okay. If you look, tilt your head a yeah. bit, you see it for sure. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, again, the airport officials say that the, the runways were designed that way to maximize their ability to land and take off. Right. Given any direction of wind or possible weather-related issues that they might have to do. And the with. swastika is... A symbol that was used by the Nazis, but also it's an older symbol that has me different meaning to different cultures. Sure. Like, I'm pretty sure it started as like kind of a a weird sort of Buddhist symbol, right? Yeah. Some sort of, uh, some sort of, of Buddhist or yeah. Hindu maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a general shape. It was right? co-opted by the Nazis. Yeah. And, and I mean, the shape, it's just like. It, the general like how humans build shapes like it makes sense that you would have something that it's like oh all these different pillars leading to one central idea like that's that kind of shape yeah you can do that with a lot of things yeah shapes Andy you know shapes but I mean it, I know it, shapes it looks a little bit like one sure yeah uh, I don't know I guess we can get into it I mean there's that and then there's the, the Nazi because it really looks like a Nazi yeah, in the Tenguma mural. But I mean, I don't know. I don't see like a strong Nazi theme running through the. No. Running through the airport. No, I think the Freemason thing is the big. That's the big like what's going on there. Why? You know, uh, you know, the show I, us these tunnels. Someone show us the tunnels. Uh, to me, to me, if I was going to point the finger at something. That is the most suspicious. 
for me, it's for sure. Why was it so far behind schedule and why was it so far over budget? Right. What happened there? There's something there. It seems, it seems like it was really just kind of a cluster. Yeah. Like someone probably fucked, like took on way too much or, you know, how things are with office politics where it's like, especially or in real politics where it's like, we need to get this airport done. And it's like, well, why the fuck does this guy want an airport done? Well, and the mayor that started it left to go be the transportation secretary. A new mayor inherited the project. And so maybe he has a different idea of how it should be. It it seems like it was way underestimated on the time, right from the start that there's no way they were ever going to be done in that time period. So uh, there's, there's a couple. There's a couple of New York Times under promise over time in the show notes that yeah. kind of talk about this. So, to me, it's pretty suspect, but it seems more like just kind of governmental incompetence yeah, than it just does general bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's let's wrap this up. Let's give our verdicts. Let's let's put it on let's the plate the and ship it off. Andy. All, right. All right, Art, lay it on me. What is your verdict on the Denver International? airport conspiracies do you want to single one out do you want to take them all holistically i'm not going to take them all holistically because i think the art is just kind of weird and whatever the freemason stuff is weird to me so is there some kind of new world order with the denver international airport doing stuff in plain sight yeah i i feel that for sure the ad campaign is a little cheeky that's kind of sus but so I'm going to give it like, I'm going to give it a notch below plausible. I'm going to give it like a plausible minus. Yeah. Plausible minus like a meh, meh or an eh, eh, eh out of 10. Okay. <laughs> All right. The Freemason stuff I think is like, that is where the fucking, that's the meat baby. That's where that's the heart of it all. Freemason stuff. And like you said, I think it, you know, I think you can probably chalk this one up to just incompetence. A lot of cooks in the kitchen, new people inheriting this dumb project that no one wanted, but someone wants to do it. Um, them playing into it, you know, that's kind of Denver style, right? Maybe. Yeah. Denver style. Denver style. Smoking a little, smoke a big veggie. Just the way I like my omelets. Yeah. Denver omelet. Yeah, exactly. Um, the real conspiracy is why are those omelets so good? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a conspiracy. That one, I give a plausible that plus. That is a fact. That is a fact. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got to see those tunnels, man. Like, show me some photos of those tunnels. Let me see them. If I see the words New World Order and the gold and all that weird shit going on, like, okay. I bump up my score a bit, but okay. um, for now, plausible minus. Okay. I'll be honest with you. Even if I saw a picture from the tunnel that said New World Order, I wouldn't be totally convinced. Whew. And I'll tell you why. So many people at DIA have had so much fun over the last nearly 20 years. Who knows now yeah, at this point? that's true. The conspiracies have become a part of the airport right as much as anything so it's hard to separate the fact from the fiction when you dig into it did somebody do it as a joke or did it actually mean something i'll say this it's an airport if there was some sort of it's it's out in the interior of the western 
United States if something were going to happen. Okay. We used to know in the governmental continuity plan where the secret bunker location was, right? Right. It was at Greenbrier in West Virginia. That came out. That became public. It's not the bunker anymore. It's not at Greenbrier. Nobody knows where it is now. They moved it. Could it be at Denver? Could it be here? Could it be? Could this be the bunker? We don't know. So I think that there's, is that kind of a conspiracy? I don't know if that qualifies, but it certainly makes the airport somewhat more prominent. Yeah. In that sense. So I kind of feel the same way you do art. I think that the artwork, while strange, the artists seem to me earnest in their work. Sincere. Ernest goes to Denver. (laughs) Ernest goes to Denver. My favorite Ernest movie. Uh, Mine is Ernest joins Antifa. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) Love that one. Thank you. Uh, So I don't know that the artist had anything to do with it. Now, obviously there's that whole speculation that the artist made what they made. Right. And it's been, it's been, they were selected to help push this message and they did it willingly without knowing that they were pushing that message. Right. So I think that it's, I think I'm probably going to be the same as you. I think I'm a plausible minus. There's some of the, there's some of the conspiracies that I just don't think hold water. Yeah. But some, there are some strange, it's a lot of strange events at one place, a lot of strange occurrences. There could be more than meets the eye. Overall, I'm not convinced that it's true. I'm not convinced that anything sinister is going on, but. I'm not going to say that it's totally Other than not those possible. prices. Oh boy. Talk about that. By the way, we forgot to mention when they went to DIA versus Stapleton, some of the charges, like the prices that they charge the airlines. Yeah. That went up. Well, there you go. So that got pushed back to people who buy airline tickets. Mm-hmm. Case closed. Wow. Uh, Bring it, back Stapleton. <laughs> Stapleton or bus, baby. <laughs> it's closed. There's nothing we can do. Well, Andy, let's real quick. You know, we're while we're kind of wrapping up here. Okay. Um, the whole idea of 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 keeping something in plain sight if you want to hide it in airplane sight. <laughs> Thank you, airplane sight. I'll be here for the remainder of the day. <laughs> um, you know, keeping something in 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 plain sight. What what do you make of that? Do you think that if the New World Order is going to hide something, that they're going to put it in a, like, you said that bunker, like, why would they move it to an airport where there's all these fucking people? Like, don't you think they put it in some weird remote area, like Area 51, where you're just, you're not going near there? Or stuff like that. Like, don't you think they would hide it a little more? Put it underground in some weird fucking area that no one goes? That's what really Dr. Horowitz is is getting at is that it almost makes more sense that they would do it in a place that's conspicuous because even though some people will pick up on the clues and some people will have suspicions, most people are programmed or trained to not believe it. And if they can do it publicly, Hmm. it's more efficient than doing it. Well, people are less likely to suspect you, you know, from, from the sense of, if you do something covert and everyone can watch you do it and not think that you're doing anything covert, 
Right. That's the best because then you you haven't hidden anything. Right. You you laid it all out, but nobody you can deny it. But people didn't understand what you were doing, so you have nothing to hide at the end of the day. So his argument would be that it makes more sense to do it someplace that's highly public and to put the clues in and then to also run like this ad campaign behind it Mm. to debunk the theories, debunk the myths because it really just pulls the wool over your eyes. Cause then you can say it was all there the whole time. This ad company did it. It's kind of like how if a politician has a secret kind of sometimes the best move is to just report it yourself like leak it yourself publicly yeah. so that they can't fucking dunk it on you later or you know do some shit like that it's it's the same way for all you college sports fans out there it's like dealing with the NCAA yeah you self report your violations to the compliance staff at your school that way they can handle it and they can report it properly to the NCAA cuz the punishment that the NCAA will hand down is way less when you self-reported versus if they found it out and you didn't report it. Like nicknaming yourself Third Leg Greg. Yeah. On a rap album. Yeah. Big offense. Big. Yeah. Big offense. Now, Andy, there was a, a question. big, big offense. <laughs> oh, geez. Only we'd kept him. Uh, the Bears, I mean. The Bears. Uh, not us, personally. Uh, Dobbers. He's not here with us. Greg Olson's not here. Greg Olson is not in the bunker. <laughs> Join us next week with Greg Olson, where we discuss. <laughs> where we discuss how big is that dong? <laughs> Andy, there was a question you wanted to ask. Um, yeah, Art. If let's say, let's pause for a moment. Let's say pause. that you're a member of the Illuminati. And you're trying to establish the new world order. Hell yeah. Would you choose to go about it the way that the Illuminati have been accused of at DIA? No. Where would you do your base? How would you go about it? I'd I'd make it super secret. Okay. And super underground, super inconspicuous. You wouldn't even know. There wouldn't be any outside structures. It would be all underground. And I just, it would just be in a remote area where nobody's going. Like somewhere in Idaho or something. Like. I don't know. What kind of business do I need to... Like, everything's online. Mm -hmm. Why would I need to... Jeez, why would I even need to have a base? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. But if I did, it would be underground, and you wouldn't even know it's there. I agree. I think you got to go underground in case of, like, cataclysmic events. Of course. So, I think what I would do, though, is I would piggyback onto a legitimately large construction project. Wow. Because think about it, all your construction equipment going out to the desert, somebody's going to see it. It's true. Somebody's going to be like, why is all that stuff going out to the desert? Yeah. And when you get into more rural areas, people get a lot nosier. Oh yeah. They're not used to it. Some farmer's going to ride over on his horse out in the desert and say, hey, what are you fellers up to over here? (laughs) And then... You got this guy poking around, keeping an eye on it. And then what do you do about him? If it's a legitimately large construction project and everything gets hidden underground, you could build all that stuff. Nobody probably in a big city would even question it. It's true. They'll probably think, oh, it's parking or something. And you build it, you build it deep enough. 
nobody would probably even notice. You wouldn't even have to put like clues or, you know, like some of the artwork at DIA has been accused of as being beacons for the Illuminati. I mean, I don't think that they need that stuff. So I think you don't have to be conspicuous at all. It could just Why be, are you late to the Illuminati meeting? I didn't, I, I didn't see the mural. Does, am I not on this shared calendar? What? <laughs> I mean, I told you guys to put me on there. Jeez Louise. I gotta, I gotta be up on all these conspiracy theories and know where this weird artwork is all over the world. <laughs> you guys heard of IRC? <laughs> uh, so that's what I would do. I would piggyback off of the legitimate construction project, but so I would in a big city. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. Cause I think people would, would ask fewer questions. I think it would seem more legitimate. And I think at the end of the day, you could have it exist and nobody would even, nobody would even wonder about it. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Like if it's the Illuminati, all these like famous, important leaders would need to go meet at your locations. So you would need you would need to not raise a suspicion as to why they're in New York City, why they're in LA. Yeah. It's like, well, of course they are. This is a big metropolitan area with lots of stuff. Hmm. People go there all the time. You are making a lot of sense here, Andy. Uh gotta say you almost convinced me. Wow. I got you. I turned you around on this? Yeah, maybe you do need to move it into a big city. You're right. You're right. What happens if that fucking farmer sees you gotta kill that farmer now? Now I got to kill that farmer. Now I got blood on my hands. Or now you, I have to kill all the construction workers or, too. Or you got to make up a lie about what's going on. And then that lie will get spread around. Yeah. And then people will be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Right. And then that'll lead to more questions. And I got to kill all the rural <laughs> that, people. Yeah. Yeah. Then it gets on the internet Jeez. and people are like, hey, what's happening out there in the desert? That's way too much work. Um, what about you listeners? That's right. Where are you building your base? What's your Illuminati HQ location and how would you go about it? Tweet at us at Mr. Bunker pod. Tell us about it. Use the hashtag my Illuminati HQ. I love it. I hope to hear from you soon. Listeners. Yeah. Um, me Andy, too. Email us if you want. Do that too. Mr. Bunker pod at gmail.com. That's right. Andy, do you have any last remarks you want to make before we take off? Before this, before this plane leaves Denver International Airport? I just want to say... In, we're sitting in first class. We're sitting in first class. And we're about to get our hot towel and peanuts. Yummy. And drinks. And drinks. First class is nice. Oh, there's so much room. <laughs> you ever been in there? No, I've never been in first class. Oh, I got a, I got a seat upgraded. Twice. I've seen pictures though. Oh my god, it's so fucking nice. I was watching a football game while it completely like nude. laying down nude, laying down is great. I was watching yeah. live TV. It's nuts. Yeah. Oh, so nice. That's crazy. Anyway, sorry. Hey, it's airport appreciation week. That's right. Listeners. So go to your local airport and thank it for doing the job it mm -hmm. does every day, helping make air travel accessible to us all. And send us photos of you hanging out. At your local airport. Yeah. Use the hashtag, I love my airport. Yeah, take as many photos of yourselves as you can near security restricted areas. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> well, folks, uh, for the titular bunker and my lovely co-host, wow. Andy Hart. That's nice. This is Arthur Stone saying, 
That was the whole enchilada. Yummy. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.